accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Right now we're up to the episode called Soldiers of the Empire. It's our first full return into DS9 since Discovery ended. And this one is the 21st episode of the fifth season. Aired on April 28th, 1997. Written by Ronald D. Moore. Directed by LeVar Burton. In this episode, after Worf becomes first officer of a Klingon bird of prey commanded by General Martok, he is caught between loyalty to his commander and loyalty to his crew. It's a lot of loyalty going on in this episode. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I'm good. This uh, I was surprised this didn't go exactly how it went. It was I kind of thought it was going to be like you know those stories where um, your girlfriend asks to join your D and D group, and then you're like, oh. But then it turns out she's actually. I think is Dax a better Klingon than Worf? Yeah, I think that's what that's what it's uh, getting at. Yeah. Yeah, and yep. uh, so they. I I was happy that they didn't lean into the stupid. Uh, uh, awkwardness that that might cause in their relationship because that would be very surface level and kind of silly so you um, think you think dax is rolling better for prestige than Worf is in your analogy or whatever you're rolling for in uh dnd uh based on the very little experience i have with dnd i'm gonna say yeah sure that sounds right <laughs> prestige sounds wrong but rolling definitely sounds right to me um yeah we're gonna talk about soldiers of the empire it's a klingon episode it stars Worf. it stars martok and we get to talk uh, a little bit about the episode where Martok gets his groove back. But we're going to take a break. We're going to play an audio clip, and me and Clay are going to come back and discuss Soldiers of the Empire. They're soulless creatures, Worf. Fighting for no goal, no purpose, except to serve the founders. They take no pleasure in what they do. Nothing is glorified, nothing affirmed. To the Jem'Hadar, we are nothing more than, than targets to be destroyed. I must not let them destroy us, With Wolf. all due respect, General, we do not know the tactical situation of the Bamoth yet. We should guard against making any premature judgments. Clay, as we move into the... Um we're in kind of a down patch of DS9, which is nothing to say about the quality of this episode, but we've kind of been on a streak where things haven't been going great. We've got a bunch of twos and threes in my records that I'm looking at for about the five or six episodes past this or before this one. Um, at this point, this always happens in a Star Trek season. And I guess what I what I would like to do is that this is probably going to be an episode similar to the, the Ferengi one that we just did, where we kind of talked about like the the meta aspects of the episode as opposed to the nitty gritty of it because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think this is kind of in that stretch of early nineties TV production where it feels like the scripts are kind of just happening because they need to get out to fill the order to go. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they're, they're really killing time between events that they have planned in terms of the serialized arc that they've got going. So uh, I think this is the last one There's maybe another one. I think this is the last one of that kind of treading water aspect. And uh, to you, I will ask you, um, did did you find this one to be sort of a return to form in some ways, or I, I guess I guess I'll lead you off by saying we talked about Kira sort of feeling like her character was treading water and the stories felt repetitious. Mm-hmm. I would say Worf does not have that problem to me, and I was wondering if you thought that he has that problem, and if not, why do you think Worf is different from Kira? Um, I I didn't feel like 
he had that problem specifically in this episode because he didn't involve like a long lost brother that he had to come to terms with. Um, his 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 treading water episodes tend to involve his family and his place in the empire, and this didn't really have that. Like nobody even brought it up on the ship. No, um, it was about other Klingons' place in the empire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially those two Klingons who were just like over it, which who, they were my favorite Klingons who were just every time, every time Martok would say something like the one guy would do that like passive aggressive spin in his chair. Yeah, and just begging your like, pardon, sir. Yeah, 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 that was great. I've never seen a passive aggressive Klingon before. Maybe that's a whole subset of the species where it's like, you know, they have the ones who are all about actual aggression, the other ones who are just all about going like, yeah, you would do that, wouldn't you? Right. Passive aggression is still aggression, yeah. I guess, definitionally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought he, uh, um, Worf, uh, played a role that he hasn't really played before to this extent, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, usually when you have Klingon episodes, he's pretty front and center. And this one, he is kind of a side. He's, I mean, he, I don't think he's in it even as much as Dax is, frankly. No, no. And and I think that the, you know, in a way, they are only there. I know the Wharf serves a purpose, but they're, they're, in a way, they are really only there to give the viewers an insight into what's going on on this Klingon ship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Worf does act and cause Martok to realize... Uh, you know, his place and what like Worf sort of shakes Martok at the end of it and says like, re- like get a grip man. And Martok does do that. But for the most part, it's really kind of a struggle about um, the Klingons and like what it means to be Klingon, which I thought was really interesting. And I yeah. don't think the Worf storylines get stale because to me, Kira's terrorist plots always seem a little bit more redundant than Worf's plots. Mm. Worf's plots, I think, are redundant on some level, but you can approach them in a lot of different ways, which I don't feel that Kira does. Kira's always feel very samey to me about she meets a long lost person and like goes through her history and things. And Worf, I feel, can adapt to new storylines. Yeah, I feel I feel like with Worf, you have the benefit of kind of exploring the Klingon thing as a whole like the their society as a whole and all the ins and outs whereas with kira they haven't really chose to chosen to do that they just kind of keep coming back to this this terrorist thing which you know to be fair is a big part of her history but it's not her entire history and it's not the entire history of the bajoran people right and it's always Uh, been the terrorist through her eyes angle like you've we've met terrorist friends of hers but we haven't really been engrossed in bajoran culture the way that the klingons have so we don't we don't have the same um appreciation i guess for it yeah like you know kind of what i was saying earlier if 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 this if this had been a more stock wharf episode uh one of those uh guys on the ship would have been like we're not taking orders from you you're a disgraced blah 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 from the house of mog and you know then he's like but my my family is deserves their place in honor duras duras yeah Yeah, he's screaming klingon names let me fight you awkwardly for the my role in the in the society they do fight awkwardly in this episode but for a different reason i for two seconds i was like oh man maybe maybe michael dorn is just better at up close knife fighting no he's not (laughs) i liked how they were using the knives as swords basically like that was (laughs) yeah that was not the correct way to use a knife as someone who's never been in a knife fight but just knows instinctively that's not the right (laughs) way to use something's gone horribly horribly wrong yeah i think that um i like this episode for a couple reasons i think that um 
A, it brings us back to what I think at this point in the series makes DS9 special, which is the the ongoing arc in terms of what the Dominion represent to the Alpha Quadrant, because this is another good insight. Like we had that two-parter episode, where, which was the 9-11 analog, where the Dominion make mm-hmm. their appearance and then Starfleet basically locks down Earth and everyone questions what freedom is. The Klingons have a different... Wait. Go ahead. Did Deep Space Nine predict 9-11? Oh, that's right. We'll make a YouTube in the video. Same way, in the same way that Back to the Future did? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you go back to that episode, uh, there are a bunch of trees outside, but there are two in particular that are very tall next to each other. Yes, I've, I noticed that. <laughs> and if you, if, you, if you actually flip the Deep Space Nine upside down, it, it makes the, 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 the characters 9-1-1. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the, some... the station. I mean, if you flip the station upside down, <laughs> if you flip the station upside down, it looks exactly the same, which is to say that fate is unchangeable. Um, yes. Yeah. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so... I'm glad we got that down on recording. That's a good one. <laughs> if you guys are wondering what the fuck we're talking about, uh, we talked about back to the future on patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to go there, you can pay a couple of dollars and listen to it. But anyway, um, the, the Klingon response to the dominion is different yet. I think, very Klingon-y in its response. The Dominion have made, and the Jem'Hadar specifically, have made the Klingons doubt themselves as fighters, which, while the Federation sort of loses its distinct thing about like being free in an open society, Klingon society results in basically losing their confidence about mm. what they're doing. And I think that the Dominion have always functioned best when you don't see them. And I think this is a good another good episode along the home front lines of you see how this has impacted people like Martok and the Klingons, and it also totally makes sense. And it's a nice little way to tie into the serial storyline while giving Worf his own standalone save the day and save Martok story. Yeah, it's it's nice because um, I, I I always got the feeling like uh, as as much as the Federation might get the better of the Klingons, the Klingons are always like, yeah, but if it came down to it, I could eat your head. Right, you right. know, like yeah. the, the, if it came down to a one-on-one fight, I would I would murder you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd but be happy the dying Jem'Hadar, trying, I guess, either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Jem'Hadar, though, it's like, oh, these guys are actually are fully capable of kicking our ass at any point. Yeah, I like uh, the, so the 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 um, distinction they draw too, which is that the Jem'Hadar don't fight for any kind of reason, really, like beyond that they're yeah. bred to do it. The Klingons uh, see that as kind of despicable, and like the the most horrifying nightmare is that someone who's fighting and ultra violent for no particular reason whatsoever yeah no uh it, it's uh <laughs> it's like in the big Leb- is it, uh the big lebowski where uh they compare the nihilists to to nazis and <laughs> and walter's like say what you want about the nazis at least they had an ethos <laughs> <laughs> that's a good uh this is a good movie to cut into this scene re- recut things with worth worth talking to um uh, talking to the dude about what the uh, state of the union. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, I think that the like what I like about the episode, and apparently the major reason that Ron Moore wrote this was that he wanted to show the inner workings of a Klingon ship. I guess like mm. that was his I, like drive behind it. But I think he ended up with something more interesting than that. Although I think the episode has a problem in that I understand the conflict about uh, Martok. And like the crew and how everyone feels mm-hmm. about it. I, I feel the episode's missing a little bit of drama in terms of putting Worf and Dex in some kind of peril that we should care yeah. about. Because I don't yeah. like, I'd be sad if Martok lost his job 
but it ultimately would feel like Worf and Dex were just kind of along for a ride and something that they had no uh, stakes in. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they leave right. before they, they go into battle. I mean, Worf gets stabbed, but still, like, they, <laughs> both, the first officer and the science officer both leave, and, and I assume they don't come back. Uh, they just, at least Worf doesn't probably, he just hangs out in sickbay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's not, there's not really any, uh, inherent danger to put them in. Um, I guess, I guess you could say that the, 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 the danger they're in is the, the danger of the crew, uh, um, mutant, uh, mut- mutinying. Yeah. Mutineering. Be- or, becoming mut- mutinous. Yeah. There becoming mutinous. Mutinizing. Circle around that one. Um, I never get a sense of that though. I I don't get the, I don't feel that I could, I could, um, sort of intellectually understand that, but I don't really get the sense that that's the problem. Yeah. They, they don't really, they don't really get that across super well. Like, I mean, they, they get it across in that, you know, that it is an issue, but they don't really lean into it as being something that is, you, you, you get these characters walking around going, the tension on this ship is is intense, and then they cut to the rest of the ship, and like that one dude's just like picking his nose, right? And yeah. the other guys like playing Tetris. They're kind of jokers, like, okay. of Klingons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like okay. I mean, you're telling me that the tension is super high, but I'm not really seeing that. Uh, they're not showing it to me. They're not doing it through any sort of like uh, Das Boot style filmmaking or anything. It's just kind of like people talking about it and then even even it actually kind of to the point where it kind of confused me a little bit because uh uh what is it when martok comes uh is it when Worf calls the red alert and then martok comes back on like four guys come through a door on the side with their guns drawn Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know if that was supposed to be the beginning of the mutiny or something but it just seemed really weird because it seemed like it was one of those things where it was they were timing it where it was like, OK, they've had it. They're coming in with their guns right as Worf is like, oh, I'm challenging what's his face to the to the, you know, honor fight. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> it's like they come in and they're like, oh, well, OK, that's fine. I guess I'll put these guns away. Yeah. Uh, so like like so. So if that's what that was supposed to be, it was not very that high point of tension did not really track for me. No, you're actually 100% right, because there's a comment from Ron Moore on Memory Alpha about that. Apparently, in that scene, there's a cutaway to Dax typing on her uh, board or her console or whatever. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. the script, she's sending a message to those guys to come up. Oh. If we're talking That's about the weird. same thing. So the, the problem is that in the edit, the cutaway doesn't read well, as well as okay. they thought it would, so that it seems like the arrival is like, why did they just appear all of a sudden? So are they supposed to be like security officers? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, so they're supposed to be there to quell the mutiny? I think so. That's my understanding. I didn't really pay attention. I don't... I remember the scene. I don't remember the context 100%, but I, I, that's what Moore is talking about, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah that... That's that's a that's a misstep. That, that there's no way there's no way in hell you would figure that out yeah. from watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's um. I I think that the you know while they're trying to show the Klingons is like this unique society and stuff, I was actually a little bit confused by the fact that um, everyone on the ship seems like such an incompetent Klingon that I thought there was a broader conspiracy to give Martok a terrible ship of Klingons. 
you know, like <laughs> and th- yeah. that never happens. One of the Klingons is wearing basically a cutoff T-shirt, like his sleeves are cut off. Yeah, and you've never seen. I've never seen Klingons dress so inappropriately. I guess so down or something like that. So I was I was watching the entire thing, thinking there must be some reason, uh, like a greater plot reason that these guys are all put together, but it's really not. It's just supposed to be the the, the crew against Martok and. I guess it's really on a couple of the Klingons that are really like that, but I get the sense that a lot of them are kind of incompetent or a lot of them are sort of doubting what the Klingon Empire's intentions are and how they can handle things. Yeah, I, I definitely thought once they got onto the ship and stuff and people started talking, I thought it was going to be like Klingon Bad News Bears or something, where it's like the ship is full of guys who are like not not super great Klingons, right. to, put, to, you know, to put it that way. Um, and which Worf honestly, would chafe that, up against them because he's the yeah. totally uptight Klingon, yeah. Which honestly is a pretty good idea. I, I that would be kind of fun to see, actually. Uh, if you had a bunch of, if you had, because you know, you you have to exi- imagine those people exist, right? In in that society that's so uh, tightly wound like that, there are going to be people who are drift to the sidelines. Yeah, who still failures have to in terms function. of being Klingons in Klingon yeah. society. Yeah, they still have to function in the society, and they still have some element of uh of wanting to be part of it but at the same time they're also like yeah i don't know i don't really feel like being on a ship yeah we're fighting <laughs> i was growing well, yeah vegetables. that one dude when he came in wearing like the half shirt i was like oh that's interesting i mean i guess yeah you only see klingons essentially wearing one thing for the last 40 years yeah. or so of star trek yep so to see one come in in like active wear is a little bit is a little odd, but I guess you know they got you got to wear something. You should be wearing the Discovery black suit, uh, monochrome black suit, uh, casual wear outfit. I think is what the Klingons <laughs> are most appropriate for. Yeah, I think that it's um, you know, I I like the Klingons. I don't really, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm crazy about the Klingons, but I think that the series like TNG, TOS, and DS9 all have done a pretty good job with them. They they feel. I don't mind Klingon stories in a lot of ways, and I like when they give them little twists like this, where yeah. it's not just these sort of cliche Klingons are going to come in and um, you know do the big battle scenes and yell about glorious battle and everything. There's a little bit of uh, hesitancy, and I like... Uh, for Star Trek, I think this episode is fairly subtle about the PTSD that Martok has. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's it's there, and it's very obvious, and I think maybe someone brings it up at some point, but he has... I think the script does a good job of making you wonder whether Martok is being simply a cautious Klingon or if he is scared of something. Yeah. And yeah. I think it works. Yeah, they they um I'm surprised that they don't have well, I guess they do. Never mind. I was going to say they don't have a uh, a pre-fight discussion about it between Worf and Martok, but they pretty clearly do, I think. Just that one where he uh, kind of breaks down and says he doesn't want to yeah, lose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that never mind. Um Worf but never yeah, they, says they, PTSD, I guess is the right. point. Yeah. But but yeah, like they don't they don't handle it like uh anytime you say Jem Hadar, he like yelps and jumps behind a chair or right. something. Uh it is it is a little bit more um that's the I think that's the benefit of of having a of this sort of like ship and ship cap ship and crew and captain sort of setup is that it's easy to use the captain as a as a uh, a vehicle for those things and do it f- fairly subtly by hiding it inside the idea of following orders and obeying rank and stuff. Sure. 
um, because you can you can have your characters do these scenes where they are where they are the captain is giving orders and people are you know not happy with the orders given and just they're just dripping in subtext based on how you play it and how people react and the, the intonation in which they say the lines and everything. Um, cause it immediately sets up this concept that the, you know, the captain is giving orders that pe- people don't agree with. And the reason that they don't agree with them is because they think that he's a coward because of X, Y, Z. Like it all, it all kind of just like sits there and waits for you to, to read into it like that. Right. And they've had a um, few TNG mystery episodes where Picard has to do something and no one is aware of why he's doing it and they have to just follow yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, that's, that's the ultimate, uh, that's one of the ultimate fears of, of, of being, uh, in, in, being under someone else's command in a life and death situation is that they are going to give you a bad order right? or that they are going to give you an order that is not sound uh, or not, does not come from a, a sound place on their end. Um, because, you know, to be in that situation, to be in that sort of, that uh, sort of uh, um, society, for lack of a better word, uh, you have to, you have to suspend your own thoughts and your own opinions for the most part in favor of this one person's. And if they, if you don't think that they're coming from a point of, of rationality, then that's going to cause a lot of uh, tension and headaches for you. Yeah. So it's, that's why, that's why it always works in drama. I mean, if you, any, anytime you have a a show with a ship and a captain and the captain gives an order and someone else goes like, sir, do you think, and the captain's like, did you, did I stutter? You do obey that order right now. Like it, (laughs) Like they, how many times have they done that in Star Trek where like the Admiral gives an order and Picard's like, well, I don't know about that. And he's like, I'm Admiral on this ship. You do what I say. You know, it's okay. Yeah. It writes itself essentially. Look at the pips, bitch. And, uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's what Gladys Knight ended every concert with. (laughs) And hopefully you can cast Samuel Jackson to yell about it, I think. But, um, yeah, I, that, I, oh man, how have they not? He would be fantastic in Star Trek. He'd be, as a, he'd as be a, a great admiral. admiral. Yeah, That'd he'd be, be a great, great admiral. <laughs> Did I stutter? What ain't no star <laughs> system I ever heard of? Um, Say what again, <laughs> Data? <laughs> Sir, yeah, I, th- I I'd agree. Um, I think that the that and chain of command like, walk in on 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 Spock while Spock was meditating and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration?" <laughs> Maybe your method of massage differs from mine. Um, <laughs> Would you give a Ferengi a foot massage? <laughs> or an ear massage, for that matter? This uh, wormhole is the holiest of holies, I guess. Is the- <laughs> <laughs> it is. It works for the Bajoran wormhole. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I like the chain of command thing. I like the fact that, you know, as always, the Klingon chain of command is a distorted dark mirror of the Federation's chain of command, where mm-hmm. this episode, I think, actually, it has kind of a... This episode has a slight bit of an exposition problem, where the first 10 minutes are the crew kind of explaining the setup to the audience about what Klingons are, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that... You know, I don't think that that's really necessary. It's really just the holdover of everything and what it is. It's kind of the... I did... I did kind of start to glaze over a little bit at the beginning because I was like, okay, Klingon episode. Yeah, let's go over what the honor stuff is. Right. What are we going to do on the ship? Like, I, I, until they kind of really got into it, I was kind of just like, all right, this is going to be another, you know, autopilot Klingon episode. But it, but it was good. Yeah. Well, the, especially the rules at the start, they're like, well, O'Brien's like, the Klingons are super violent. They kill everyone. And then Dax has to go, no, audience, these are the rules of the episode. Worf can't yeah. be killed unless... <laughs> 
X, Y, and Z happens first. And I actually okay. was kind of happy that they did that because I don't know if I if I ever knew that, and if I did, I didn't remember that there was actually like a chain of command to their chain of command fighting, like rules to their uh, yeah. how they go about it. Yeah, because it actually he actually does bring up a question that I'm sure a lot of people, anyone who have thought about the Klingon society for two seconds would would think of, which is how the fuck do these people function? Right. Well, who are the scientists of Klingon society? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, even outside of like, if you just kill to take uh, your mentor's spot, how does it work? It works for the Sith, but I don't know if it works for the uh, Klingons as well. If they were just free chaos everywhere, yeah, it works for the Sith because it's never really been thought out, right? And, and like, it yeah, just there's, be only, there's only two of them, yeah, like at at one time or in total, yeah, either one, sure. <laughs> what movie is this? Yes, it's the first one. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think that the. Uh, the Klingons are good in that way. I always kind of like them. I like Worf as a character. I think Worf is... Uh, I did this to you on the uh, uh, music video podcast we just did for ACDC's Big Gun. Uh, mm. Star Trek characters. Is Worf a top 10 Star Trek character? Out of like every out series? Of, out of everybody, yeah. Uh, I would say if he's not, he's just outside it. Okay. Um, cause yeah, I mean, I, I think he is very, uh, recognizable. Like he has a lot of name recognition, um, that someone like, you know, Yeoman Rand probably doesn't. Right. I'm sure. Uh, Although she was well developed in her seven minutes of screen time. Yep. Yeah. Or even, ta- even, I mean, Tasha, Tasha, people don't, Fairweather, let's put it this way. I would say Fairweather fans or people who only have a passing knowledge of Star Trek would probably recognize Worf before they would recognize a lot of people. Yeah. Worf, Worf to me sits in this strange spot of he's super important to me. He's across multiple series and movies, right? He mm-hmm. is like the most appearances out of any character or something, probably. Uh, he has a lot of storylines and arcs. He has like very identifiable only Worf storylines and only Worf applicable uh, sort of themes. Mm-hmm. However, I'd have a hard time putting him near the top. Like I, I think my, I think I would say top five, if not top five. He's just outside of top five, I guess. Yeah. But for some reason, even though I really like Worf, he's not like the sexy pick for me. For some, like I'd have a hard time ranking him that high, and I'm not really sure yeah. why. Yeah, he. I mean, he's got a lot of good stuff, and I think uh, I think Deep Space Nine goes a long way to actually bump him up on that list. Um. But yeah, if I if I when I think about Worf, I don't go, oh man, so many classic Worf episodes that I love. Right, like, yeah. it's not just yeah, yeah. it's not what comes to mind. But you know, w- when you sit down and, and and think about it, you know, practically, it's like yeah, he is he's really important, and he's he does uh, they do some really really good stuff with him. Yeah, so he's he's kind of interesting in that way. That might just be the Klingony thing where the Klingons aren't super specific enough to be super memorable. I guess, even though I don't, mm-hmm. I don't mind them. It's kind of an interesting problem for him to be at. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. What would you have as a uh, big problem with this episode? You kind of tuned out during the start, but I guess things picked up. Did you have any kind of issues? Mine would be the uh, the general. I thought the I think the ending is a little bit trite and a little bit too neat. And a little yeah. bit we've seen this a billion times on Star Trek, where Worf's just going to sacrifice himself for this guy who doesn't know that mm-hmm. he's doing it, but he's going to realize it. I would have. Um, I would have preferred a more what I would consider to be modern ending here where it ends kind of Morph unsure. Dies. Yeah, it ends kind of it ends a thousand years in the future. Yeah. Uh, it I would have thought that maybe it ended better 
where there was you, you, they never really resolved the tension between Martok and his crew. Like you, yeah. they they get out of the situation, but not restoring Martok, I think, would go a long way to building that character. And it feels like a very minor problem for Martok to have if he can just flip the switch at the end of it. I, I would have preferred mm-hmm. they stretched it out a little a little ways, at least in a modern sense. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess. I mean, it feels it feels like such a natural ending, though, to have him challenge challenge for the throne so to speak and then and then martok wins because uh wharf kind of lets him win yep which then gets his confidence back and stuff and you know i i see what you're saying but i also these these rules and and mindsets of these characters are are like just tailor-made for this kind of stuff that's true that's true i just i think it's mostly that i really like the continuing aspect of dominion shadow games like i I like the fact that they that this is an enemy who causes that to happen to the allies in the federation and i think that Mm -hmm. more than one episode of having to deal with it would have been kind of a nice little run of things uh and so that's to say that it doesn't really happen although i I like it in in terms of just this one episode i think it's totally fine yeah i mean i could have gone for I don't know. You, I, you probably don't need it, but it, it might have been interesting to see a little bit more of their approach to the to the battle at the end. Um, to see if it's if he's, you know, to see if he's more if he is confident actually about the battle, or if he's just kind of like you know regaining it. You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah. Th- that might be kind of fun, but it's ultimately unnecessary. I don't think. Sure. I think. Um. I yeah. I think my biggest problem is the mutiny thing. It's just it's not really really well defined and well developed other than people just like casually talking about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's probably it. I th- I just, I, I think it's hilarious that, that Dax is so good at, at being a, Kling- a Klingon. <laughs> Although her, the scene where she throws the guy out of the chair and says she's sitting, he, uh, he's sitting in her chair. I thought was really bad physical acting on everyone's yeah, part. Not great. Yeah. Not great. They should have, uh, ran through that one a couple more times she kind of she she kind of gives the impression that um she expects the guy to be doing more of the selling of ripping him out of the chair and he's not Mm. helping her in that way so she kind of struggles to get him up and then you see him kind of stand up and fall down and it it doesn't read very well although yeah I, i think um dex is a good klingon is you know, Dax, well, Dax is kind of funny in the entire thing. I don't really buy that she tags along. You know, it's nice to have her there, yeah. but I don't understand why she goes in the first place. Yeah, it's really weird. It's it is very kind of stilted and and uh, and I, I I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's unnecessary because she does provide a good uh, soundboard for for Worf. Yes. Um. But yeah, the way that they get her on there is is very kind of strange, and that that is one of those situations where like. You, you you feel like <laughs> it, 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 I'm surprised that they I'm I am legitimately surprised they didn't play more into the idea of like you know Worf is going off and and gonna go hang with his buddies and then his girlfriend is like no I'm gonna come too right yeah and he's yeah. like uh but but what a, but but I feel let's put it this way when I when I started playing D and D we were uh, picking different ha- we were you know trying to alternate houses and stuff. Um, and in terms of where you're playing, or in terms of like your character having belonging to a house? No, uh, uh, where we're playing, we're <laughs> okay. like where we're meeting to to play and stuff. And uh, the first place we went to, I won't say who, um, was like, uh, yeah, we have to do this like after nine because if my wife sees us doing this, I'll, she'll never, <laughs> she'll never let me live it down. And then, 
to that extent also uh when we when we came to when we played at my place uh he was like um can is is she is your girlfriend going to be there cuz i feel really embarrassed about doing this stuff with 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 her around i'm like no i i totally get you no she won't be here trust me <laughs> i'm in the same group is it what you guys are playing is he screaming no pictures and things like that or just, like, none of no those... it's just you know it's just the the weirdness of 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 the concept of D&D and, and around someone who has no is not familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, and I'm not saying it's a guy and a girl thing, but it kind of is. Uh, just based on you know, you're doing something that you did when you were a kid, and when you were a kid, it had certain um, uh, connotations to it regarding whether or not you would want girls to know right. that you played D and D. And even just a though deep psychological stain on your psyche, exactly, yeah. even though that is totally unapplicable, and you know whatever yeah um it, it still it still sits in the back it's like i i still i cannot believe that uh uh the the infi- thanos and the infinity gauntlet and the infinity stones is something that like everybody talks about now mm-hmm. because i remember when i was in when i was in middle school when the original like infinity gauntlet and infinity war comics were coming out you you had to be like into comics to know what that shit was. And I can guarantee you if you spoke those words to anyone that you knew at like school, let alone someone of the opposite sex, um, you would be uh, labeled as the biggest nerd or just like looked at very strangely. Hush tones and in, I, in the lockers. Yeah, hush yeah, tones. Because that's yeah. just the way it, it works when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I when I go to like family gatherings and my girlfriend's 13-year-old uh, cousin Anne is telling me her theories about the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much this is messing with me right now. <laughs> Although, you know, I'm like a- you could go uh, again, not to not to sound too weird, but it's just like it is it is a strange mindset shift where you could go you could theoretically if you were single, go to a bar and strike up a conversation with a girl at the bar about the infinity gauntlet and there's like a 75 to 80 percent chance she would actively engage you in that conversation yeah that she's seen the movie basically yeah. at this point yeah yeah i would um i i totally agree i think that's totally true i would uh i would broaden it i suppose like i had this weird i think that uh this is kind of related like i i, I got this new job right and they so when i started they had me, uh, they send out like a departmental newsletter and they wanted to, they want like new hires to put a little blurb about themselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're like, tell us about yourselves and what you like to do. And I've never had a, I've never been able to do that without feeling like I'm a huge piece of shit. Like, I, yeah. like there's, <laughs> there's no, there's no way to write down what I do and what I enjoy doing without sounding like, wow, this is the lamest stuff that I'm into. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think that must be a universal thing. Like you could be president of the United States and write it, and you'd still come across as kind of an idiot on some level. Yeah, yeah. it's just a weird, uh, like a hyper awareness of feeling very protective about what you like to do, and even if everyone yeah. else is okay with it, you still feel weird about bringing it up. No, dude, I know what you're talking about. I still feel like I'm mentally wedging myself every time I say that I have a podcast that I do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let alone, let alone multiple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well the podcast is funny because it's like in the brief time we've been doing this podcast started as ultra 
uh, sort of nerdy thing. And now it's mm-hmm. just into everyone's like, yeah, I've got 10 podcasts. What are you talking about? Like everyone's got a podcast yeah, at yeah. this point. So we, we've kind of what, crossed the threshold. What's the what's the joke now? Uh, what do you call two white guys talking to each other? And you call it a podcast? <laughs> Yeah, and it's no, true. you know, don't get me wrong. I am, I am super glad that all of this stuff that I was loved and felt ashamed about liking when I was a kid is now like public knowledge, and and everybody's into it. That's great. I yeah. love it. No, uh, it's just it. It is. It is a weird mindset to have to like shift back. Yes, um, which is why I need something else to be ashamed about liking. Which is why I took up wrestling. Right, ASMR. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, even wrestling i mean wrestling people a lot of people different people love wrestling it's great love it well yeah because it's aged out of the no one no one says you know it's fake anymore it's aged out of that sort some of. people do and those people just are a pain in the ass are they are they young i would say old people very old people might say that like my parents older people do it murphy does it all the time like he can't wrap his mind around wrestling he's like you know it's fake i'm like jesus <laughs> fucking christ yeah. Like yes. It. You know what else? I mean, Lord of the Rings is fake, too. And so are the fights that happen in every TV show or movie you've ever watched. It's the same thing as that. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. All these all these soap operas are not uh, any different from each other. Well, we're all... You know, Days of Our Lives is fake, right? We're all under the house of Nerdy Martok at the end of this episode and at this point yep. in 2019. So we're going to take a break. going to play an audio clip. Me and Clay. Also, Go sorry, ahead. one more thing before we go. I never identified with the character more than I did with Nog in this episode where he's <laughs> caught between two. It's like Nog in this episode was like me every time I go to the supermarket where I'm like pushing my cart around and the person in front of me just won't move. And then there's another person behind me. And I'm just like, I, I'm just going to wait till this person gets this can because I am too awkward to be like, excuse me, could you move out of the way so I can push my giant cart by you? Yep. They're too narrow. Yeah, I know. We've all we've all been nog, I think, and then having to uh, throw up our hands and do menial tasks for the rest of our days because <laughs> we're being told by the angry uh, Klingon to get on it. I haven't seen Nog in a while. I don't think. No. Yeah, I was surprised to see him in this one. Yeah, he's he 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 get, he picks up a little bit. But um, let's take a break. We're gonna play an audio clip. Me and Clay are gonna come back, read some patron thoughts, give our own thoughts, and call it a day. Your actions on the Rataran. At the time, I thought they were disloyal. But I have come to realize that your intention was to remind me of my duty as a soldier of the Empire and as a warrior. For that, I am grateful. You did the same for me once. Worf. On the bridge, during the fight, when you dropped your guard, how did you know I would not kill you? I did not know. All right, guys. So thank you very much for listening today. Hopefully you enjoyed the content. If you did enjoy it, you can head to patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, you can be people, uh, you can be as supportive of the show as people like our captain tier supporters who get a shout out. Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Bradley Killens, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Pouch, David Kay, Decker Sebastiani, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, YRP, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Matt Flores, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russ Graham, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Sean Spinobi, Stephen Cobb, Tark Latif, and Will Yates. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And as always, Clay, we're going to go to Patron Thoughts. If you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we read them. Stephen Cobb says, Soldiers of the Empire, the relationship built in Purgatory Shadow, etc. between Martok and Worf pays off here and illustrates that Klingons are people too. Can't disagree with that. Andrew Cherlog comes in hot. In my opinion, the weakest episode of the fifth season, 
as we not only get to see Worf regress from the man we saw a few episodes before, but the episode itself does nothing except point to the Dax-Worf relationship. This is a You like this episode less than the Ferengi episode? That would be my counter to this. Yikes. The Ferengi one sticks out to me as pretty bad. How? What what is the the wharf thing that he's saying there? I don't I don't remember what backtrack he's he he thinks the re, he's the regression. Had. Yeah. Uh, what would have been the wharf episode before this? Uh, I can check right here. I'll see if there are any that come to mind. People are screaming at it now. Ties of blood and water. Biz- oh, we had those two Ferengi episodes right in a row. Doctor Bashir. Oh, by Inferno's light. I think it must be the two parter. Uh, where they are in the prison camp with each other. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I would say he's progressing or anything. I mean, he's helping his buddy out. Did you Did you think that they made that uh, Worf saying that he was thinking about quitting up? I don't really remember that in Purgatory. Oh, is Shadow. that maybe maybe that's the part he's talking about? Thinking about the part where he was thinking about quitting. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Where Where Purgatory huh. shows Worf as being the he is going to battle to the death. Um, and this episode says that, actually, I was kind of scared, and Martok said it was okay, and everything was going to be all right. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know why he would need to make that up. Okay. Yeah. Do you think he made it up? No, I, I mean, in terms of, I, I don't think it was present in Purgatory, and I think that they retconned it in this episode. Oh, I thought you meant, like, did he make it up when he was telling No, I, I telling believe that as of this episode, that is okay, canon, yes. that Worf doubted himself during that Um. Fight. Yeah, they probably made it up for this, yeah. 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 Which, I mean, whatever. Doesn't really bother me that. No, much. it doesn't. Doesn't bother me too much. Zamluka Wessel says, "Soldiers of the Empire seems very right that Dax fits in as a Klingon better than Worf does, and that while Worf does remind the Klingon crew of what they aspire to be, they achieve it and celebrate without him." <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, um, I do like the fact that the Klingons drink their wine out of open barrels. I like that touch. I think that's nice. Yeah, it's incredibly unsanitary. Yes, but... filthy, disgusting. Yeah, Soldiers of the Empire from Holly McLaughlin. Martok's- hey, do you actually, you know, what would be great if there was a Klingon custom that the lowest person on the, on the, uh, um, the, the roster chain. or whatever, yeah. the chain had to take the first swig of the first cup of wine every evening, because that's the, the, the one that breaks the surface. That's probably covered with shit. <laughs> he's got, yeah, he's got to, uh, got to test the tap lines on the keg and everything. I, I think. Martok's rediscovery, this is Holly McLaughlin, Martok's rediscovery of his courage, spurned on from a challenge, uh, on by the challenge from Worf, is a pivotal moment for the character and incredibly well done. This is a top five for the season and a top ten for the show. So, Holly and Andrew disagreeing Damn. strongly. Yeah. Ewan says, Surges of the Empire, it's always weird when Starfleet officers use up their sick days to join ISIS. That said, <laughs> this is a satisfying episode that I can't really find anything wrong with. I can't find anything wrong with your comment there, Ewan. Norman Buckwald says, made me truly like the real Martok, from, uh, who from then on definitely became one of my favorite Star Trek characters. Glad to see that, yes, even Klingons can suffer from PTSD. The episode also allowed a nice further development of Dax and Worf's relationship. It's interesting that, interesting that Dax needs to remind and advise Worf about what's truly needed via the intense environment that helped him see more clearly Klingon culture and reality versus his quote-unquote hipster notions. In other words, yes, Dax needed to be there in this episode. Otherwise, Worf may have actually been clueless about what to do, given the situation. Next, Christian Pouch. My last prediction whiffed hard, but I'm going to try again and predict that Clay rips Michael Dorn's fighting style pretty hard here. Fingers crossed. I don't think you went too hard, Clay. Uh, we, 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 we've we said no. our piece. 
<clears throat> yeah, he's done worse. I like this episode. Klingons chanting a war song will never not be entertaining. Martok is almost assuredly the best mainstream Klingon Trek has ever done. In a way, he's the most Klingon because he embodies what all Klingons claim to be all about, as opposed to people like Kim Peck and Duras from TNG, who aren't very honorable, and Worf, who knows about being Klingon only from a book. Some of the acting... I, uh... Oh, sorry. I th- I th- I, no, finish. I thought you were done with the comment. I'll say when I'm done. Some of the acting and reactions of the Klingons are a bit over the top, but I do like that it shows that Klingons are a diverse people and aren't really infallible. It also continues and builds upon the Worf and Martok relationship, which I really enjoy as the two seem to fit really well together. Uh, I was going to say I did really like the book ending of the song because I, I really like the first time when Worf is singing the song and everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> That's what I, because I always feel that way when they have one of those scenes where people just all start singing a song. Yeah. It's like, if I was in that scene, I would be like, I don't, what the fuck are these, I don't want to sing this song. Yeah. It's like when you're doing, uh, maybe you, you might not know, but there's a lot of corporate trainings that are like, all right, everybody, icebreaker time. And you go, oh, fuck you. Like, just because I'm sitting at this table (laughs) does not mean I want to talk to these people. Exactly. Uh, Like, imagine being at a wedding. Uh, at a table, the the misfit table, and then all of a sudden you're just like, and then you're like, everyone's just joining in with you. <laughs> Matt Ross says, Klingon PTSD or caution? Klingons do not act cautiously. Looking forward to Clay riffing on Worf's fake fighting, the over-the-top talking, and the Klingon missing his sleeves headed to a headbangers concert. Anyway, an enjoyable story of a commander trying to regain his confidence and whip a defeated crew into shape. The annoyed crew seemed particularly ac- pr- uh, pretty accurate of its feelings with their Klingon snark and actions I felt were well played. I'm glad Dax was not the main focus, a Kane mutiny Klingon style. It was cool seeing a D7 and the fact that the Klingons had to sneak around to avoid a conflict. Worf's solution was very Klingon, and as usual, uh, and as usual, this did not tie the crew all together. A fun story with a Klingon flourish. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that they didn't do the discovery thing and have them go, look, the D7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we whose blood has been shed across the Kronos uh, D7 the D7 everybody yeah that's right what a terrible name for a show Kalis Kalis will bless you as you come from Kronos <laughs> on your brand new D7 <laughs> it's the weakest part they definitely didn't get the translation right there Kyle Barrett final comment Soldiers of the Empire a terrific Martok and Worf story and Dax is at her best when interacting with the Klingons this episode suffers the most from not having the show in HD with the low lighting and SD making everything seem foggy and hard to make out. Oh, is that a sick uh, callback to the Game of Thrones third episode, Kyle, right there? Oh, yeah, because nobody knows how to work their TVs. (laughs) I love that. It's like the Battle of Winterfell all over again. It's also, oh, wait. Oh, Jesus, he did write this after that. Oh, you stepped on his joke. I did. I'm sorry, Kyle. So I'll try to edit that out, but I probably won't. It's like the Battle of Winterfell all over again. It's also nice to finally have an episode that points out how stupid it is to have the carpet in sickbay. Yeah, I was thinking that too. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning tech has come a long put, way. Where would you ever put carpet in the fucking sick bay? <laughs> I went to I went to uh, uh, Washington D.C. a couple years ago, and we were taking the train into the city from the suburbs. And the whole train ride there, I was I, the only thing I could think. You know, I, I wasn't looking out the windows. I wasn't focusing on where we were. I was thinking about the fact that the trains are carpeted. Yes. And how absolutely disgusting those carpets must be. Yep. Yep. Those are the super industrial carpets that maybe they don't even absorb anything. They're basically like steel carpet fabric or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's I a, don't know. It didn't feel like that kind of car. It felt like 
regular carpet to oh, me. And it was it was gross. Well, like I, I don't know how often they change them or clean them, but you know, God bless the person who has that job. <laughs> thank you, patrons, for supporting the show and thank you for leaving your comments. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what are you gonna give Soldiers of the Empire? Mm. Yeah, I guess a three, I guess. Okay. I I don't know. It's it's really getting tough to rate some of these, uh, you know, for reasons that we've gone over a million times. Uh, like, I don't know if it's a four. It's definitely not a five. I don't think it's a four. So I would, yeah, I think I think it would be a four if the mutiny stuff was better. Yeah. yeah. If they if they really leaned into that and really got across this this level of tension on the ship and everything, I think that it would it would bring it into a four. So I'm gonna say high three. Okay. I'm gonna say low four. Uh, just yeah. because I really like the. I like it when the show loops back and ties into the the arc that's going on in the background. I like when they mm-hmm. do world building like that. I think this is a pretty good way to go about it. I, I think it's a week four because I don't really like the ending all that much. And a lot of the setup feels kind of clumsy. And I don't think it's a perfectly plotted episode. Alistair's yelling in the background about his agreement. But I think that the... Uh, I think... I think it's a week four. I, I enjoy it. I like what it's trying to say. I like that it's fleshing out the world and everything. And I think it mm-hmm. just has a few problems that kind of hold it back from being even a, a good four. But that's what that, I will go with. That's why you love that episode that's just 40 minutes of Bashir having the stomach flu. Because <laughs> that one part where O'Brien comes in and he says, so the Dominion's back. And he's like, oh, great. And then he leaves. That's, that's 100%. We also gave the Ferengi episode a three. So I feel I, I have to correct it Ooh, a little bit there. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've already said three. We got to have a little bit of separation on us. High th- I said high three. That's fine. High three from Clay, low four from me. That's it for Soldiers of the Empire. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support the show, so, uh, social media is all down below Facebook, Twitter, Discord. Join patreon.com slash Lipensky file. I'll say it for the 17th time. If you want to go there and support the show, it's much appreciated. There's a PayPal link down below. There's a t shirt from Teespring link down below. And then I think that's pretty much it. Recommend the show when you can, if you can, if someone's looking for a Star Trek podcast and you feel unashamedly that you can announce in public that you listen to a Star Trek podcast, you can tell that person and not feel bad about it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, when's this go out? All right. That's it. Wait. When when does this episode come out? Oh, I, 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 the audio must have cut there. I, think, I thought you just uh, yelled, go out. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Uh, this episode goes out tomorrow, which is Thursday. Okay. Well, if you're in the main area... Portland, Maine. I'll be at uh, Coast City Comics for Free Comic Book Day. And if you're not in the main area, uh, this Saturday is Free Comic Book Day. So go down to your local comic store. If you've never been to a comic book store before, it's a great time to go. They do all sorts of different promotions. A lot of places have uh, artists doing sketches and selling stuff. And, you know, you can walk in and get some free comics. Cool. Interesting. You literally get a free comic? Yeah. Yep. They, they all the companies uh, sent. Well, not all of them, but a, a good chunk of the companies send out stuff specifically for the day to give out for free. They're usually like samplers or like first issues of stuff. So hmm. it's a good good excuse if you've ever wanted to get into comics or see what it's all about, but you don't know where to start. To uh, free comic book day is a perfect day to do it. Yeah. Well, that's entertainment right there. Um, I think we're done here, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And we'll be back with Children of Time as our next episode. All right. Thanks very much. See you later.